In this episode, Isabelle Plasmeijer talks about the holistic approach to eating problems that she and her colleagues at Isa Power are offering both in the Netherlands and online abroad as well. Welcome to a new episode of Modita's podcast, From Pain to Being. The podcast in which I take you beyond the pain in your life to who you essentially are deep inside. How can you deal with your feelings? How can you find peace in your head? What exactly is behind your pain? And above all, How can you be yourself more and more? Just take a deep breath and exhale. I wish you much joy in listening. Isabelle Plasmeijer is an experience expert in the field of anorexia and bulimia and is a therapist, founder of Isa Power, and author of several books. How did I meet Isabelle now? More and more people were telling me about her. There were people who had read my Dutch book, Hunger for Fulfillment, a book about the causes and relief of eating problems, and shared with me that they were so happy with the valuable treatment they had received from Isa Power for their eating disorder. They were mostly people who were disappointed in a treatment that focused entirely on the food itself, something that didn't work. At Isa Power, they found very good guidance to be able to work on letting go of their problem in an insightful, respectful and holistic way. That's when the desire arose to invite Isabelle as a guest in my podcast. I am grateful that she was willing to be my guest. Now, most welcome as a guest in my uh, podcast, uh, Isabelle. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's uh, so important to speak about this uh, very important uh, subject of eating problems and the way out. And you Absolutely. yourself, yeah, you yourself are an expert by experience in the field of eating problems. So, can you say something about uh, how did you come to start your company, Isa Power? Well, um, when I was suffering from anorexia and later on bulimia myself, um, I was very ashamed. And I, uh, back then, when I was young, I actually uh, imagined or uh, envisioned myself never ever talking about it again. 
because I was so embarrassed. And then later on when I was in my recovery and when at the end I was fully recovered, I realized that people die of this illness or people, you know, stay in that vicious cycle, that loop of binging and purging. Or, and then I realized, well, what a, what a shame because people can actually recover. And uh, when I was recovered, that passion grew to help others. So initially, uh, I wrote a book. And um, with that book, you know, I, it's a self-help book. And um, people started to read that. And then I started to coach people. You know, people called me. Uh, can you help my daughter? Or can you talk to my partner? Uh, can you help my child? Um, and that that's how it started. So 10 years ago, I officially uh opened the company and we it got so in a way popular that i needed more coaches so you know 10 years later um we now have a, a team of 25 professionals and like you say uh experts by experience so all these women professional therapists help others uh overcoming their own obstacles with food and their body Ah, wow, so so nice. And you have also uh, professionals who who are English speaking and work with English speaking people. Yes, absolutely. There's a few coaches in my team, you know, amongst myself that uh, speak fluent English, and some actually speak uh, Croatian or Russian, uh, different languages. So. Uh, But yes, we help people that uh, are able to express themselves in English. So sometimes we have people from Norway or Finland or Italy or Spain, even the UK, um, as far as Australia. So uh, people all over the world seem seem to find us and um, do online coaching or fly over to get help. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I what what appeals to me is the holistic way that uh, you work with eating problems. So, can you tell something about the way how you deal with uh, tackling the eating problem? Well, I mean, and and you know this as well um, that the problems we face with food or the problems we have with food and no matter or regardless what you call it you know some say anorexia some call it bulimia or binge eating or any other definition you might give it in a way it's a, it's a coping mechanism mm -hmm. so in order to tackle this problem you need to understand you know as a as a person who's suffering but also as a professional you need to first understand why a person developed this so what's really going on you know that's the real question what's really going on underneath the surface why did you um, create this pattern uh, of self-sabotage and how is it really helping you and so it has in a way it has benefits and it has pitfalls you know and the word benefit sounds strange but every coping mechanism is initially there to help you to cope, to survive, to suppress emotions. So I think that at first, all of us need to understand how is this really helping? And that's a good question to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Wow, and I don't know if you want to answer this question, Isabel, but uh, uh, could you say something about the benefit that the eating problem has given you in that time? Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. And um, you can ask me anything, uh, really. I think, you know, um, as a professional, um, as a role model, it's important to... Uh, speak up mm -hmm. and to go beyond that barrier of shame and so many many years ago I was super embarrassed and ashamed that I would you know binge and purge or you know and not eat or over exercise you know mm -hmm. I went to all the extremes and but the benefit in a way that uh, underneath the surface I was uh, grieving I was hurt and I felt very insecure about myself and who I was. And in a way, I could not handle all these emotions, all these, uh, you know, insecurities, fear, fear of failing, uh, not being worthy or good enough. So I found a way to cope with that. Or actually, I found a way to suppress that. Mm -hmm. Um And by doing so, I needed a tool to suppress, and that tool became my eating disorder. So when you focus on food, you can't focus on anything else. It's super, you know, time-taking and, uh, you know, it becomes an obsession, whether it's counting calories or counting your steps or, uh, you know, figuring out how much to eat or weighing your food. It takes over, and it gives you a sense of control. Mm -hmm. And that sense of control is actually a basic human need because that sense of control gives us the illusion of security, the illusion of safety. Now, who, does, who doesn't want that? So that's what I call it a benefit. But mm -hmm. in a way, it's, it's, it's fake. It's an illusion because you never really have it. So in order, you need to continue and you need to make that pattern stronger or do more or, you know, lose more weight or run further or do more exercises so in a way it doesn't really help you know mm -hmm. it doesn't really help anymore and that sometimes it takes a long time to figure that out yeah yeah well so so beautiful how you describe that i recognize that from my own eating disorder so what you say yes and, uh, yeah. and So it's your only way to to have a kind of feeling of control, even if it's a, a, a proves to be a fake control, and something. Uh, yes, and uh, and on top of that, and on top of that, it also gives you self esteem because you mm. finally feel like, well, I'm so good at this, you know. Yes. Wow, I can. I have discipline. Uh, no, I can um, skip that meal without, you know, I can face, you know, overcome that hunger. Mm -hmm. And you feel so strong. It's like a euphoric feeling, which mm -hmm. is, of course, when I look back now, it's like, why would, why the hell would I do that? Why would I starve myself and then feel proud? It's, it's, it's insane. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's now listening might think, well, I'm doing that too. Well, you're not insane, you know the consciousness comes by listening to podcasts, to reading books, by figuring out why am I really doing this? How is this helping me? Or why, when does this pattern become stronger? You know, oh, well, you know, sometimes it gets stronger because I have to face a friend or, you know, start a discussion or maybe I have to say no, but, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm a pleaser, so I'm going to say yes anyway. But I want to say no. So in a way, you're always lying to yourself. And by pleasing, you're losing yourself. So it's also a search for your own authenticity, you know, finding the true essence of yourself. Mm. Yeah, and the uh, even in this, uh, what what looks insane in uh, when you look back, it has also a very strong uh, capacity of uh, discipline in it, what you can use later in your life also. Eh? Well, absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing you uh, point out because the qualities that I used you know, into this coping mechanism to support it, to maintain it. Those qualities, of course, I still have. You know, I'm still the same human being. Mm -hmm. But what I do with those qualities is completely different. Mm. So, yes, I can still be a perfectionist, but I can also completely, you know, live in the moment, be flexible, you know, be an adventurous. I don't need to know what's coming all the time. When mm -hmm. I was younger, I needed to know what was coming ahead you know what was in front of me what are we going to do what time is it uh so if we do this what are we going to do next and you know i was completely you know monitoring micromanaging every minute of the day mm -hmm. in a way it, it was very ocd it was very obsessive mm -hmm. yes i see and um to let go of this uh, too much control It's needed that something else uh, is growing inside that gives uh, that uh, connect with the real identity or the real who who am I? How does Isa Power um, helps people to grow into what is their true uh, to come back to what is their true being? Yes, well, that's a beautiful question. And my answer to that is actually quite simple because we need to first understand what makes a person, you know, urge or need that control. And it always goes back to, you know, safety, connection, love, you know, feeling worthy, all those basic human needs. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask that person, well, who are you truly? And is this how you want to be remembered? Is this the legacy you want to leave behind? And then per people will say, well, actually, I'm an adventurist because when I was young, I would go on a holiday and I would do this and that, or I would go horse riding. Or actually, uh, one time when I was young, I actually stood on stage and I performed or sang a song or, you know, I was in the game and I won a football match. Or So people, when you ask the right questions as a therapist or as a friend or as a, as a family member, you get the, the most beautiful answers. And then what gets in the way is fear again. And fear gets in the way because they don't want to fear or they don't want to fail. Sorry, they don't want fear gets in the way because they, they don't want to fail. So, and then you just discuss what's really going to happen if you would fail. And, you know, so it becomes mostly a, a philosophical conversation because who... Who decided that we as human beings cannot fail? So how on earth are we going to learn and grow? So in a way, you, you make failing, you make it pleasurable, you make it attractive, you don't make it fearful. So in a way, you invite people, any person, every, every human being that wants to grow in their life, you need to invite them to fail. Mm -hmm. And then the sense of 
control or the need for safety also fades away, you know, and then you just, you know, take the lesson. In a way, if you take the life lesson from any experience you have, you'll never fail again. Wow, that's very beautiful what you say, that if you want to grow, you need to learn how to fail also. Absolutely. That's very beautiful. And I think that... um, Many times uh, the person who has an eating disorder has also had uh, parents who also, because of their upbringing, didn't allow themselves to fail. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yes, I see that too. And you also, uh, you do family constellations and, you know, so, so do we. So from a systemic point of view, it's usually, it's a pattern you know, it's a transgeneral um, tradition in a way that our grandmother mother gave to our mom and our mom gave to us. And, you know, it's better to be saved than sorry. You know what I mean? All those mm-hmm. expressions. And sometimes the fear is passed on. Mm. And sometimes also the ambition is passed on. You know, so everything is passed on. The beautiful things and also the less beautiful things. And it's it's up to us to disconnect to those traditions that no longer serve us. Mm. Yes, and um, what what was important for me during my eating disorders or in mm-hmm. the come out was to uh, connect with the bo- with my body and with the emotions. And how does Isa Power address this? Well, that's a very important thing. I think mostly when people hate their bodies or are disgusted of their bodies, it's usually because they are reminded of the pain or they're reminded of a certain memory or they're reminded of a certain comment that somebody made about the body. But it can also be trauma that's locked inside the body. So basically, we live inside this house, we so-called, you know, the human body. Mm -hmm. And every time we walk somewhere, we get triggered and we can feel it in our stomach or even our heart rate raises. Um, You know, we feel suffocated or we even get dizzy at times. And I think, you know, to connect to your body again is also to connect back to those emotions that you were trying to hide. And you hit them inside your body. They're hidden in your muscles, in your cells, in your in your human body. So in a way to uh, reconnect to the body is also to feel. And, you know, in a way it's, it's so silly, but, you know, feeling is so scary and at the same time uh, harmless. Nobody ever died of feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and we are so scared to connect and to feel because we think once we start feeling we're going to cry and the crying will never stop at least you know that's how I felt and that's how many people feel it's like oh my god when I'm going to feel it I'm going to crash and I'm never going to be able to get back up again Mm -hmm. and that is not true because the strength lies in feeling so in a way you have to go through it in order to you know, regain your strength, regain the true essence of yourself or to feel. So when you start feeling, you can also start mastering your emotions. In a way, you cannot learn how to swim if you don't jump inside the pool. 
right? So we need water to learn to swim and we need those emotions in order to get stronger. Mm. So I would invite anybody, I would encourage anybody to start feeling. And you, it's, it's kind of like you dip in and you go out. Just the same with a cold water when you go in swimming. You know, you jump in and you're like, oh my God, it's so cold. I'm going to, you know, go out again. The same with our emotions. You know, you jump in, you cry a little bit and you go out. So that, I think it's a balance. And especially with people with trauma, um, you know, to learn to love their body, it's, it's, it could be a long road, but it's definitely possible. In a way, if you look at it uh, from, uh, in a way, um, a helicopter perspective, the body is innocent. The human body never did anything wrong. It's just there to support you, to thrive, to survive. And uh, it's up to us to maintain that, to look after it. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, that's very uh, nice what you say about the healing effect of feeling the emotions. And I think also that that is the value of uh, the, the therapist who can, who stays with the client when this emotion is expressed. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it's very important that as a child, and no matter, regardless your age, you, know, you can be a child when you're 70 years old. So when we go back to that emotion, in a way we need somebody else to be emotionally present mm. and to stay calm, to role model in a way that emotion regulation when you can't because you're fearful or you're angry or you feel ashamed. And when the other person, whether it's the therapist or the mother or a friend, stays completely calm, you know, it's, it's, it's an invitation to say, I welcome you. Your emotions are welcome. You are welcome. And I think it's most of the time it's us, ourselves, judging ourselves like, oh, this is so stupid. Why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? Or I should be better than that. Or I shouldn't be jealous. Well, you know, what the heck? We are. We are jealous sometimes. We are scared sometimes. Mm. So when we judge, in a way, we block that emotion. It's not f no longer free. Mm. So by judging, we block it. So if we don't judge, we just let it be, it actually, it's, it's free to leave and it's free to come and it can go also. Wow, so I think really, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, not judging and it's very hard, you know, it's very hard not to judge. Mm. Our brain automatically does it. So we need to catch ourselves when we do it. Yes. Wow. That's very beautiful that you say that. Yes. Very important. And mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's also important for the therapist to keep also uh, working on him or herself. Absolutely. In order to do this job, you know, it doesn't matter in which industry you work. We're now talking about, you know, eating disorders for any business where you work with people or you call yourself a coach or you call yourself a therapist. It's important to do the work yourself. You cannot lead where you haven't been. Mm. You cannot, you know, you cannot show the road if you haven't walked that road yourself. So for me, that's essential. Mm. Yes. And um, you, you told uh, me, uh, Isabel, that also sometimes people come from abroad to the Netherlands uh, to do um, 
Boost program with Isa Power. Can you tell something about the Boost program for people who live abroad? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think about 10%, so one out of 10 people are actually English speaking. Uh, they come from abroad or they live in the Netherlands or it's an expat family or students that go to university. Um, yeah, and some choose for the Boost program. And the Boost program is a very intense program that is for three or four weeks uh, in a row where we work with a person between four to six hours a day. So we do therapy, we do mindfulness, we do somatic work, we have um, snacks and lunches together or dinners, we cook together and we basically we help people in that area in their life where they need it most. Mm -hmm. So it's not just talking, but it's also doing. And when you do this for three weeks in a row, you see people grow, you know, tremendously. And uh, that's what people need sometimes. They need, you know, sessions with their mom and dad or their partner. And um, so really we make it tailor-made to their need. You know, some people really need help with, you know, getting the food back on track. Some people really need to face their traumas and they feel like, well, if I do one session a week, I don't feel supported because those other six days I'm alone. So when I'm going to face it, I'm going to do it more intensively. So everybody, you know, uh, comes with a different question, comes with a different purpose mm -hmm. when they start the boost program. Well, and, and uh, they, is it residential or do they find a place to stay Well, yes. So people that come from abroad, they, I mean, mostly they book a hotel or Airbnb in the area where the coach lives. Okay. And, um, yeah. And people can also have, uh, if they don't do the boost program, they can also have an individual session. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Some want one a week or two sessions a week and some, are a little bit further in their road of recovery. So they do one session every three weeks. So it's really about, you know, what do you need? What's your question? Mm -hmm. Very uh, beautiful. And uh, Isabel, uh, it might be that also parents are listening to this episode, parents of a child with an eating problem. Mm -hmm. What message uh, would you want to give to the parents? Well, I think, you know, parents are in the beginning of this, they're in a way puzzled, you know, and they're always trying to catch up. And uh, I think the eating disorder is always, you know, one mile ahead of you. And then by the time they catch up, they're so, they're so exhausted or they're um, hope they feel hopeless, they're tired, some moms or also dads get burnouts. Um, and I think, you know, when this starts, you know, take it serious, educate yourself, don't think, okay, we'll pass over, um, talk to your child, don't judge, uh, try not to be hypnotized by her body weight or her eating behavior but try to focus on her emotional well-being and try to figure out and if you do if you do that without judging it's actually maybe easier to have that connection with your child um and so don't criticize don't judge but really ask those open questions so 
honey, um, I noticed that you're um, skipping that meal. Do you understand why you're doing that? Or, you know, what are you scared about? You want to talk to me about it? Or let's go for a walk. And, um, and also try to talk about other things, you know, try to motivate. But I think for most parents, it's uh, that what I learned, parents, it's always about communication. How do I communicate this? Because they get angry, but initially they wanted to say, I miss you. I love you. I cannot live without you. Please get better. But when they're triggered, because, <coughs> because parents get triggered too, and when they get triggered, they get angry. Mm -hmm. Or they start to scream at each other or, you know, they start to blame each other for things. Um, and that's really not helpful. So most of the time I teach parents the, the drama triangle, the nonviolence uh, communication styles. And I think that's what parents need, you know, and also to understand that it's not their fault. They're not guilty of their daughter's or son's disease. You know, nobody is responsible. There's no guilt in this situation. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's very beautiful, this approach. That's also what helped me, uh, uh, what what I was longing for mostly, uh, that yeah. mm -hmm. my mother would ask me or my father, how are you really feeling? And instead of yeah. about the food, yeah. Right. And did your did your parents have help back then? What do you ask? Did did your parents have help? Did they have help when you were young? Uh, no. No, actually no. not. No. So that's also for me when I would have been in the eating problem, uh, when I would have known that my parents would have help, it would helped me a lot because Actually, I felt very guilty because of the pain I was causing for them. So yes. it unburdened me when my parents uh, would ask help for themselves. Yeah. Right. And that's also an important thing you say because, you know, often people are, you know, around say, oh, it's so selfish what you're doing. Don't you see your brothers or sisters or parents are suffering? Why don't you just eat or why don't you just stop binge? <laughs> stop binging or whatever it is but it's not like well i'm doing this on purpose i want to you know others i want to cause others pain that's not that's not the case and when you have a therapist or somebody who can you know create that connection or you know be the bridge between the parent and the kid that's very important and when i say kid it can also be a 30 year old you mm. know we all need those tools to communicate to our parents and it's not sometimes it's not natural it's mm -hmm. not natural to talk about emotions or you know for fathers to express their love it's very mm -hmm. difficult for people especially people who are born you know in the 50s mm, yes yes that's true then it was more like uh, work and uh, try to manage your living and uh, yeah not speaking about emotions. Mm. Oh, there's there's no time for that, you know. Uh, we need to work. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yes. And Isabel, uh, you told me uh, some weeks ago that there is no waiting list for uh, people who need help from Isa Power. Is that still the case? Yes, that's still the case. Um, 
so that's that's uh, fortunate. Uh, I feel very lucky and blessed with the the great team of coaches I have, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, at, at some locations we have about twenty five. Some locations are full, but some uh, some are available uh, straight away. So when people uh, ask for an intake, um, then they can usually um, the next week they have an invitation to uh, go and talk or meet the coach in person. And uh, if they want and if there's a connection, they feel comfortable, they can start therapy straight away. Yeah. Well, that's very uh, valuable. And uh, uh, how can people reach you? You have a website. There's also an English part of the website. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Isa, uh, hash power.com. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay, I will write down that in the description below this podcast. And um, yeah, I feel very grateful for you for everything you have uh, told in this uh, podcast episode. And I myself would feel very much a trust in you and your therapist and your approach. Well, that's it's beautiful to hear, and it's wonderful. And I think the the most important thing uh, in any relationship is to to listen. You know, people do want to change, but they only want to change when they feel like, well, I can trust you because you really listen and you really understand. So if you really understand, then you probably have the tools to help me out. And if you don't listen and you start, you know, offering solutions and do this, do that, they're like, well, I'm not going to do that because you don't really know what's going on inside my head or inside my body. So the first step is to really investigate and listen and not to change them. Mm. I think that's also, uh, uh, in a way, quite an orthodox approach is we don't expect people to change. Because we, we, in a way, coach them and do uh, sessions and exercises. And then the urge or the need to change in them arises. And it's not us telling them, well, you need to change. You need to eat. What you're doing is not good for you. Oh, come on. They know that themselves. They don't need to be reminded of that every day. Mm, wow. I feel that very beautiful. Like in my Dutch book, uh, Hunger for Fulfillment, I, I have... Uh, made such a big chapter on finding the right therapist. Mm-hmm. And what you say is 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 uh, is exactly the core of that: the respect and the wanting to mm-hmm. know and being appreciated as you are. And exactly, mm. absolutely, and it's beautiful that you have actually you added a chapter. Uh, in your book about this because it's we know we talk about it and everybody knows it you know also in the big clinics and the big organizations we all say yeah well the connection is very important but what is a connection what is the definition and when do we know when we have a connection because one person can feel like well i'm very connected to you and the other person could be like well hell no you don't even understand me you know you mm. you dropped to you you made a conclusion which is not even true well then and then they feel like well you jumped to a conclusion that wasn't even true for me or you interrupted me in the middle of my sentence and you start talking about yourself you know but because that happens also therapists start to project 
or have so much experience and they're well, oh, you're like like the other client or the other client went like this or did like that. It's not helpful. Mm, yes. And I think that is especially, um, it's important for all eating disorders, but I think the the most difficult uh, at least from my point of view when i had the eating disorder is to f- to uh, agree with a therapeutic process when i was in the anorexia because as you said before i was also proud of the solution i had found and i felt i had so much willpower and i i i could manage it not to eat and to study and all these things so uh-huh. um yeah could you say uh something about uh the entrance uh a possible entrance for people with uh, anorexia who actually feel i don't want to give up this what i am good at oh absolutely and i completely understand so in a way, we need to figure out which need they're trying to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it that the anorexia is giving you? So it could be a primary uh, gain or a secondary gain. It's what we call it. So the primary gain is often the solution in the, in the coping mechanism itself. But the secondary gain could also be, well, now when I have this, people are actually much kinder to me or people are looking up to me. They care for me. They express their love. I receive cards. They visit me at home. Um, I don't need to go to school or I don't need to, I don't need to go to work. I'm actually, it's, there's, there's less stress in my life. So mm. if there's a primary and a secondary gain or even a third gain, then it gets, in a way, you get tangled up, you know, like the fly in the spider web. And we we all need to be compassionate. So it's not about the pattern. It's not about what they do or how much you lose or how much you can walk, whatever. And some are actually proud at it. And that's okay. But why are you proud at it? What does it give you? What do you think you gain by it? And so it's, it's that... Um, it's that battle between this is my identity, but this is my imago. So how do others see you right now? And often they don't really realize that. Mm-hmm. And it's also talking about it with family members. How do you feel? What do you see? What do you miss? And when people realize, well, I don't actually need my anorexia because what I gained or what I feel right now, maybe I can create that in my life without needing anorexia. So if this is something, you know, if you realize by your, for yourself, well, this is what I gained, maybe you can hold on to that need, but, you know, fulfilling it in a different way, right? So let's say, let's give an example. The people that smoke or the people that drink alcohol, when they smoke or when they drink they might feel more relaxed or they might get more confident when they're drinking. So in a way, they drink to get confident, they drink to get relaxed, or they drink or they smoke to forget. So the the need is then, I want to forget, or the need is, I want to feel confident. So, and then you need to, in a way, investigate if there's other vehicles or roads to those needs. And obviously, of course, they're there, 
but it's up to them to change that vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. It's about changing that vehicle. If you've always been riding a bike and then somebody gives you something else, it's going to feel super uncomfortable, right? But mm-hmm. you're going to get there anyway. And then when you learn that new tool, you actually realize, oh my God, this is much more you know, smooth, it's faster, it's more efficient, I get to my goal quicker. But in order to let go of the old pattern, it's quite scary because nobody can give you that guarantee. It's actually going to work. But I realized, you know, when you're in there in anorexia or in bulimia or you're binging all the time, it's so lonely and Mm. it's painful and you feel your body. Your body is suffering, you know? Mm. Yes. So you need to change. Your body is also telling you to change. Mm. Yeah, I think most people, or maybe all of them, they uh, who is suffering from an eating disorder, is saying, I would let go of it if I would know that something comes instead of it. Yeah, and that's a jump into the unknown. Mm. Absolutely, it's a jump into the unknown. Mm. And, you know... Um, that's the beautiful thing about life and I say beautiful because some people would say that's not beautiful well it is because Mm -hmm. if everything was known and everything was predicted Mm -hmm. it would be so boring it would be so boring yes that's true there's no there's no room for flexibility or spontaneity there's no room for jokes or humor if everything Mm -hmm. was known Mm -hmm. so it's about you know feeling comfortable in the unknown. And I think the only way to do that is to feel comfortable with yourself. Because if you know who you are and you say, well, this is my opinion, this is my vision on life, whether, you know, you can be a vegetarian or you can be in a political view, whatever it is you have, you know, you have to stand for it and believe in it, regardless what other people will think. Because, you know, we're human beings. We're not all the same. Everybody has a different opinion. That's fine. You know, and Isabel, uh, it takes often years eh, to to come out of an eating disorder. Really, mm-hmm. how how have when you look back, how did you experience this journey? Looking back, was it only painful, or uh... well? The journey, I would always say, the journey is the healing. So -hmm. it's not about arriving at your final destination. You know, we have something to learn every day. So every day we're healing a little bit. We're getting better. We're we're coping better. You know, we're expressing ourselves better. And that's a journey. Mm -hmm. So I think if I look back... Uh, there was, there's not a day where I said, well, this is my day where I healed, you know, the days where I healed is the days that I took a decision. I, for instance, I took the decision to never, ever throw up again. Mm. And I stopped it that day, but that created other difficulties because if I couldn't do that anymore, how would I handle the stress or how would I handle the, the urge, <clears throat> the need to eat without compensating? So, but I had to go through that. I had to do it, right? It's like jumping into that pool, very uncomfortable, but I had to keep on swimming. I had mm-hmm. to get to the other side and yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but you know, and that's the thing with eating problems. You have to talk, you have to express yourself. You have to ask for help. And I know for some that's very scary. It's like, I'm going to do it myself. You know, I'm still in control. I don't need anybody. Or mm-hmm. when people say, well, 
others can't handle me or others are not strong for my emotions or I don't want to hurt anybody when I express myself or, you know, when we want to keep others safe so we carry the shit ourselves. You know, we're human beings and we need each other. So Mm -hmm. it's time to start opening up and find a person who can help you or just listen. Mm -hmm. And they don't need to be a therapist all the time. Yes. Wow, very beautiful what you say. So people, they can anytime send an email to Isa Power when they want more information or uh, when they connect with Isa Power, do they already have to decide to do a session or a boost program or can they just ask for some more information? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that is so important when people call or send an email, you know, it's like no strings attached, you know, it's, it's easy. You want to meet a person, you feel comfortable or you don't, uh, you do one session and you decide, well, this was actually very helpful. I'm going to do a second session. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you jump in and you need to do a whole, you know, program of a year. We obviously, we have some programs which are like 10 or 15 sessions And then you decide, you know, you keep doing it or you want to go somewhere else. And, you know, it's a journey. So sometimes uh, as a therapist, you're just part of that journey. And then you have to let go too, because I had clients that, you know, moved abroad or went working in a, in a, in a temple or uh, with animals or refugees. And that was the end of their journey. You know, that's what, that was their, you know, the healing part. Mm. sometimes you just provide them with tools and then it's up to them so Mm. yeah very beautiful i can uh very much uh, recommend uh, anybody who listens to this episode and uh, to whom it appeals what isabella has just told it appeals to me very much and i have had anorexia and bulimia both in the past yeah uh, i recommend to take the jump and to at least uh, connect because i have had uh, clients who come to me who had tried many different approaches for example had gone to clinics where the focus was too much only on food and mm-hmm. who had almost given up and who came to isa power and who were so much benefited so that's why yeah yeah, that's so beautiful to hear and thank you for also you know sharing this with the listeners and there's something you said you said you said sometimes it takes years Mm -hmm. and I think people ask me this question you know when they come to me and they're so vulnerable and they're so unsure about the journey that's ahead of them and sometimes they hear well it's going to take years and that's actually uh, something that my therapist told me yeah it usually takes seven years and most people don't actually recover it's it's most of the time it's chronic and she looked at me and this is the message I got on my first session with my psychologist mm-hmm. and I was shattered and bruised because I thought well what's the point because mm-hmm. I didn't know if you could recover or not I don't know it was in, it was inside me it, it felt like me it was my identity it was everything I did. But what I really needed is somebody who said, well, how long do you want this to take? Mm -hmm. And this is also a question I ask my clients. 
you know, when they asked me, how long is this going to take? I said, that's up to you. How long do you want this to take? Mm. And I had, I had clients, uh, Modita, really, that, you know, worked so hard. They faced their shit, you know, they shit their pants in sessions, crying and expressing themselves, breaking everything open, talking to friends, talking their, to their parents if they were divorced or not. And you can do this journey also sometimes in a year or a year and a half. Mm, wow. and, and, and and of course like I said before it's not like after a year and a half okay you're finished and you know let's wrap you up you're done you're healed boom you get a you know it's 100% but everybody needs to get over the first humps yeah. and, and and life itself is the healing journey wow. very beautiful so it doesn't have to take, that's all I want to say. You know, when people said to me, it's going to take seven years and sometimes it's chronic. I, that, that's BS, you know, excuse my language, but that's really bullshit. Yeah. It's about, you know, you willing to take that jump. Like you said yourself, it's about taking the jump into mm. the unknown mm. and feeling what needs to be felt and expressing what needs to be uh, expressed, what's, what was suppressed. Well, I really uh, value that. Yeah, that's then that's taken the helm in your own hand. Like, how long do you want it to take? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, very nice. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Isabel, for this very precious uh, interview. I'm very happy with that. Well, it was lovely to talk to you as always. So um, I'm happy I could help, and I hope that people will find their way to healing whatever road they 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 look for could be anybody right yeah. just find that connection with a therapist and uh, and go for it yes and please also share this episode with persons you know that are suffering from eating problems because maybe they express a little bit but underneath is really so much hell often yeah absolutely yeah mm. absolutely okay. all right thank you very much and see you again maybe uh, isabel yeah see you soon bye 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 thank you for listening to this episode i hope it has given you a new insight or perspective I love interaction, so if you want to share your experience, contact me through the email address you find in the description below this episode. I will always answer you. I wish that you will experience joy in everyday life and inner peace, and that you will be able to transform your pain into being. You can follow the episodes of this podcast via Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast or Podbean by clicking the follow or subscribe button. If you listen via the Apple Podcast, and this is only possible if you have an iPhone, you have an extra advantage. Because if you click the subscribe button, you will always receive a message on your mobile phone when another episode of my podcast appears, to which I would like to invite you warmly.